0: Welcome, Law Nation. I hope you're having a fantastic week and that you're getting after it, living a fulfilled life. All right, before we get started, if you're thinking about your future and how to go about creating more freedom, flexibility, and fun, take action now and go to attorneybydesign.com, whether you're an attorney or not, and download the Freedom Blueprint. And then don't forget, jump on a call with me. Now, one big obstacle for getting started with anything meaningful is exposing myths. One big myth in real estate is that you have to invest in your backyard. Now, many of you fine folks might find yourself living somewhere like California or New York City or some other market where investing in real estate just doesn't make a lot of sense, or at least it has a very high barrier of entry due to cost, et cetera. Myself, I'm in San Diego, very tough to find a deal. Now, it's not impossible, but I'm a big fan of living where you want to and investing where the best opportunities are. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you there aren't advantages to investing in single family rentals or fix and flips locally, because there are. But that's one of the beautiful things about investing passively in commercial real estate. Long distances with respect to passive investing actually turns into an advantage rather than a disadvantage. How so? Geographic diversification. You can live in San Diego and invest all over the U.S. You can own apartment complexes in Kansas City, Charlotte, Jacksonville, Dallas. So you can take that investment concentration risk off the table. Why can you do this? It's because you don't have to be there every single day managing the property manager, managing the construction, or dealing with tenants. You just do some due diligence up front and then collect checks. Our incredible guest today takes long-distance real estate investing to a whole new level, and you'll soon find out why. My friend, Billy Keels, is a real estate entrepreneur, long-distance investing expert, coach and mentor, and most importantly, a great family man and all-around good dude. All right, let's get it.
1: This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. All right, Billy
0: Keels in the flesh. What's going on, brother? Super stoked to have you on the show. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show.
2: Seth, man, I love being able to hang out with you, being able to see you, catch your vibe and uh, be able to talk about things that we love, which is really helping uh, people understand more about passive income investing, talk about doing it long distance and just being able to have a great quality of life, man. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely, man. Tell our listeners where the hell you're located at, man, and where you're originally from as well. Let's start with that. Yeah, okay.
2: All right, so I'll start with the, where I'm originally from. So I am a guy from the Midwest, from uh, the wonderful state of Ohio, so from Columbus, Ohio, and I've been super fortunate, man. I After graduating from college, in Miami of Ohio, which is down in Oxford, Southwest Ohio, uh, I had this chance to work and travel throughout fifty-eight different countries, and since then I've had a chance to travel through some others. But today, and for the last fifteen years, as you know, Seth, I've been living in Barcelona, Spain. So it's been really, really awesome. It's it's, it's great being here, man. I love this place.
0: That's incredible, man. And we'll get into that how you're how you're able to live in Barcelona and invest all over the world, and particularly in the United States, man. So let's take it, you know, let's fill in those gaps, man. From Columbus, Ohio to Barcelona, what's your story? How'd you get from from Ohio to, to Spain?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I come from a family with, you know, I, we don't come from a, I don't come from a wealthy family. Both of my parents, very blue collar, like both of my parents worked two jobs to make ends meet. And what they really were focused on is making sure that me and my brother and sister, that we were in the right school district so that we could be, in an area where we had access to really great education. And so we were there and we moved around a lot or lived in Colorado, lived in Texas, and then went back to Ohio. My parents eventually divorced. And then as I mentioned, I went to college at Miami University down in Southwest Ohio. And so after that, I had this amazing job. I I got two degrees. One was a a BS in marketing, which is actually kind of funny, and then a BA in Spanish eventually. And so uh, after that, I had a chance to work and travel throughout 58 countries working for this company based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Amazing. Like I just never thought I would have a chance to see or do so many things from Columbus, Ohio. Right. And after that, I didn't see myself doing like a normal nine to five, Seth, because I'd seen so much of the world that I'd never really ever anticipated doing. And, and at the same time, because I'm kind of like an A student and a recovering perfectionist is what I like to call myself, I decided I wanted to do a one-year sabbatical. And so in 2001, two weeks after 9-11, I packed up on, my, on the plane from JFK, flew to Paris, Charles de Gaulle, Which was pretty awesome and I remember my dad telling me like I wasn't going to be coming back home and I was like, yeah, dad, I'll be back. I'll be back in a year. You know, I'm just going to go to France. I'm going to learn French. I'm going to learn the language and culture. I'm going to learn more about wine and I'm going to learn how to salsa dance. He was like, okay, yeah, but you're not coming back. And I was like, "Ah, whatever. So anyway, to make a, a, a short story longer, but uh, I'll actually, I'll I'll wrap it up a little bit, but we eventually after the, after a year, actually about six months, I realized that my dad was right. And I was learning a lot about the language and culture and I was starting to meet people and I didn't want to go back. And one of the things I'd worked with a lot of fortune 500 uh, CEOs and things like that for those five years in 58 countries. Uh, One thing led to the next. I ended up working for an IT company in a town called Montpellier down in the South of France. And that was amazing, really, really cool. Um, I was there, started working, selling in French over the phone, which was pretty amazing, doing IT, which I knew nothing about. Eventually also went to Italy, started a sales team there, and was in sales leadership, then went back to France. And then before I went to to Italy, I met a a cool, cute Spanish woman, and she's from Barcelona. So you can probably guess why I'm in Barcelona now. But uh, back in July of 2005, I moved to Barcelona after two years of back and forth. Um, and so I've been here since 2005. We got married. We have two beautiful children. And um, yeah, and so I've really just been enjoying it. And I'm also a, a corporate uh, employee. I'm a happy corporate employee because I continue to work in the IT sector and in sales and sales leadership. I've done work roles that are globally um, global leadership roles. I've done regional across Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh, and most recently, Seth, I've been working for the Spanish market. So I actually work in sales in. Uh, Spanish and Catalan language all day, every day. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years. And, uh, and eventually I'm sure we're going to talk about the real estate stuff, but that just gives you a little bit of a, about me and the, the background and also how I got here to, uh, to Barcelona, Spain.
0: That's awesome, man. Do you speak all those languages that you uh, transact in?
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I've been really fortunate Seth. So yes, yeah, so I, as I always tell my friends here, so I do speak Spanish. I speak Catalan, which is a language that they speak here locally. I speak Italian and I speak French. I'm working on my English. That's the thing that's kind of, um, I, you know, I usually tell it. My British friends are like, well, you don't really speak English yet. So I'm like, all right. So, yeah, so I do I do speak those five languages.
0: That's incredible, man. That's incredible. Well, I grew up in a similar environment in West Virginia. For you, it's Ohio. And, and it's crazy, man. When you start seeing the world, uh, start seeing places like like Europe and, and, and Asia, and it just kind of expands your mind. Like you just see all these different cultures, and you didn't even realize they existed. I mean, you realize they existed, but until you were in it, You know, it it didn't affect you like it did. And it's it's crazy because as soon as you see it, you've got you've got to have more. You've got to see more. You've got to learn more. You've got to learn about more people and just kind of dive right in. Right.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Because I, you know, I never I thought going to California was going to be like a really, really long trip for me. And I had no idea. But uh, just seeing and interacting and and constantly being tested and, and challenged about the way that you think and the way that you approach the world and what's the right way to do things. Is it is there a right way or is it just one of the ways to do things and traveling and meeting so many different people around the world has been one of the best things for me from just a personal education and development perspective that has ever, ever happened to me.
0: That's right. I mean, when you go to Europe and you can travel to a different country in, you know, an hour or two or jump on a train and get to a completely different culture, you start thinking about things differently. You start thinking, oh, look how different these folks are living right beside each other and they're still getting along and, and, you know, everybody can be themselves and it's okay and everybody's accepting. A little bit different in the United States from time to time. So it's good. It's fresh to see that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, you know, what at what point, you know, we always talked like to talk about inflection points especially in W2 careers. I mean, at what point did you have that aha moment where you started looking at, you know, not necessarily just real estate, I'm sure that's what you looked at and that's what you we're going to talk about, but, you know, at alternative investments, something outside of the stock market.
2: So, I guess the first time it happened, there were kind of two really two major events that affected my life. And then there was a third event. And then when the third event happened, I said that something in my life really, truly had to change. Right. And so if you'll allow me, I'll just kind of talk about them quickly. And and part of it has to be with being that a student and the recovering perfectionist. And when I graduated from college, I was told to, you know, go out and get the good job. And so I got a good job. And then the whole thing was to climb the corporate ladder. And that's what I was really hell bent on doing. Like, that's what I was going to do. I was going to climb the ladder and do all that stuff. And and also as an A student, I was told to make sure that I maxed out on my 401k and my IRA after the 401k was maxed out, then get into the IRA, prepare for retirement. And because I come from a family where actually investing meant saving money, like if you saved money that was considered investing, I didn't really know what investing was. So I actually had additional money. And after I had additional money, I put the, you know, a little bit was taken out of each one of those paychecks and things like that. And that was 1996. And in 2000, there was this dot-com bubble. And so the part of my portfolio that was in the 401k and IRA took a hit. And I just remember calling my financial advisor, like, hang on a second, man, like what's going on? And, and they, and I was told, well, you know, just chill out. Don't worry. Just, you know, we're going to do some dollar cost averaging. It's down. And we, you know, eventually just wait it out and we'll come back. And they were right. Like, that's what I did. And I was an A student. I was like, Oh, cool. You know what? They were right. And they told me what to do. And I actually followed it. And so I kept doing that. And over the course of like the next seven and a half years or so, like things continued to move up. And then in 2008, there was kind of this great recession that took place. And so I got smacked again. And my portfolio this time that had been building up, I lost 33% of my portfolio, Seth. And the only thing that I could think of was like, when my parents told me like, Billy, look, don't ever, ever let anybody pick on you. If something, you know, if someone takes advantage of you, if it happens once, it's, you know, shame on that person. If it happens twice, like shame on you, like, don't let that happen again. And so this was the time in my life where second time I placed my life, the part of my control of my life, the financial part in the hands of someone else. And I was like, I, I like control. I like being able to do the things and move up the corporate ladder and being able to help other people. And that's what I was doing. But this whole thing on the financial life, I kept resetting and that got frustrating. I eventually saw this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, I saw it. I thought it was really cool, but I didn't finish it because I was traveling back to the US. A couple years later, I actually picked it up and finished it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. I can actually buy this property. I can earn, I can be in control, number one, and then I can control my income. So if I have more doors, then I have more income. So one door is $200, 300 and that was gonna be really, really cool. Um, and so those were the first two things that happened. And then the third thing that really happened that made me realize that I really had to start to take control of my life is uh, back in October of 2012, I remember it like yesterday, it was a specific day because it was my, my um, oldest son's third birthday, and I remember getting on an airplane because as an A student and someone who's climbing a corporate ladder, everything that I thought was really important was like getting the next role and doing all these kinds of things. And the morning of my son's third birthday and my wife was there with our one-year-old um, and a three-year-old and I'm getting up at six o'clock in the morning to get on a flight to go somewhere to a meeting that I really, honestly, now that I look back on it, I didn't really even care. And I was just emotionally torn up getting on the elevator, going down the elevator from our house on the way to the airport because I thought, well, I'm doing all this stuff because I actually want to be with my family, not because I want to get the next role or the next job. So like that third thing that happened to me in my life was the point where I realized, look, I can enjoy my day job. I can be a a happy corporate employee and do these things, but I really have to start to get control of my financial life because I don't want to put 100% of my future and even my present in somebody else's hands. And that was like the day that mentally something really changed for me uh, back in 2012.
0: Gotcha, man. So it wasn't kind of like, okay, you know, I I hate my job, I hate my career. A lot of people have that epiphany and they're like, okay, I've got to to find something else and whatever that might look like, a side hustle, a side business or, you know, real estate or investing in in something else. For you, it was totally different. It it was, I, I actually enjoy my job, I enjoy my career, I enjoy what I'm doing. Um, But I do see the risk in having one stream of income and I need to expand that into into something else and to have a little bit more control over my investments.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, one of the things that happened, Seth, was, you know, because of of being a an A student, right, recovering perfectionist, as I say, I I continued to do the things that I was supposed to do. So when I was in school, if I studied hard and I got together with a group of people and we sparred over some of the answers and then afterwards I got tested, I got an A. And so I was used to that. And when you did the right things in your corporate role, you continue to, to move up and you and you were able to do those. But when outside of my the real life, like that's where I was losing control because I like the day job. I like the types of uh, big, huge global problems that we can help large global brands to solve. Like I like that. What's happened is. I've really started falling in love with being able to build uh, a business, really help other people, individuals, accomplish their goals, dreams, desires. And so it's, it's a matter of saying, hey, look, I, I can like my job. I do, I, I genuinely like my job. And at the same time, I, I love the other things that I'm doing and I love to be able to see the impact that is happening. And also the fact that there's a lot more control over the outcomes that we're able to produce.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome, man. What kind of, what kind of investments did you start going into then?
2: Yeah. So initially, so you mean before I started doing the alternative stuff? Uh, what, well, no, I guess what I is which is, started which doing is alternative okay. I, yeah. Okay. Which is so funny because people call it alternative. I'm like, well, I think this is actually kind of like the original type of investments, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because true. nowadays it's like That's stuff true. you don't even really understand. So, so I've started buying like very small uh, multifamily properties. And to your point, Seth, one of the things is I've always lived in Spain right? One of the things that I've had a huge kind of challenge with was when I was reading all these books, the thing that either was implicitly stated or kind of understood was you have to kind of live in the same place where you buy your property. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I started after I read the books, I was all excited and I was like, okay, look, I'm going to buy the property here in Barcelona. And I wasn't sophisticated enough at the time to understand that there are different types of markets. Some are appreciation, some are cash flow and and different types and and so when I bought, the, when I was looking at buying properties in Barcelona, they all, none of them made $200 like I'd read in the books. Like I was gonna have to pay 50, 100 euros a month and I was like, well, that doesn't work. Like, why would I buy something that I actually have to pay every month? And a lot of people do it here because the whole thought is, well, eventually I'm going to sell it and I'm going to get all that money back. I'm like, yeah, but in the meantime, you're paying for it every single month. So that didn't make a lot of sense. So, so to, to get back to your question, like once I started buying these multifamily and I was buying them from Spain and they were back in the United States that kind of opened the door. Cause I thought, well, okay, cool. Like I'm just going to get into real estate. But then afterwards I was buying these properties and then I I was buying smaller multifamilies and then I eventually had a a built relationships with brokers and I bought a, a mobile home park and I was like, okay, this is cool, this is residential and things are going back and forth. And then I started expanding my network and I started seeing other types of investment opportunities. And then I found out about this thing called, and you'll appreciate this, passive investing. Right. And as an accredited investor, someone who's, a, you know, making multiple six figure salary, you're out there and you're thinking, OK, well, cool. Actually, I don't have to do all this heavy work, the heavy lifting. I can actually just place one hundred two hundred thousand dollars somewhere and it can actually just work for me if I put it with the right team. And then I found out about investing with others. And so larger multifamily ATM machines is something that I've also invested in passively. And then I started getting into the area around precious metals and energy. Which is something I had absolutely no idea about at all. And so those are some of the different in, some of the different streams of income that have been able to produce in the quote unquote alternative asset space. So, you know, residential, smaller, medium size and larger uh, ATM machines and energy equipment so far as what uh, I've been investing either actively and or passively.
0: Awesome, man. What were some of the, uh, you know, what were some of the the challenges and differences you saw between kind of investing in those small multifamilies as an active investor versus investing passively um, in some of the larger multifamilies or, or whatever type of real estate you invested in?
2: Yeah. So one of the, I guess in the beginning, one of the biggest challenges for me was probably the most obvious. It was well not the fact that I was long distance or thousands of kilometers or miles away but I didn't really know what I didn't know like I'd read a lot of books and I had a lot of the theoretical knowledge but when you're going to actively invest you don't really know if what you've learned in the books you can apply until you start making mistakes and so once I realized that I had to change that theory and put it into practice and I was making mistakes and, you know, I've made lots of mistakes and some of them are hundreds of dollars and some of them are you know, when, you have, when you have roof issues, when there can be almost $30,000 and these types of things. And you've got to figure out, okay, how do I learn as quickly as possible, correct the mistakes, the errors. Um, those were the, the types of things that were happening for me as an active investor uh, on the passive investing side. It was really trying to understand how if I'm going to place this large amount of capital. Right. Because that's what I was thinking was a large amount of capital it, it with someone else. Like I really need to get to know this team of people really need to make sure that what they're doing ties into what I want this part of my portfolio to be doing because there may be parts of the portfolio that you need to help get you tax benefits. And so if you're putting it in something that's gonna create consistent cash flow, that's probably not a good way to do things. Um, If you're looking for a certain portion just to create conservative cash flow, you're looking for um, a um, uh, capital preservation type of play, then these are different types of teams that you'll want to work with and look at. And those are the types of things that I started Uh, becoming more aware of as a, as a passive investor. So I I think it's really more on, or I don't think I'm for sure. It's more on the due diligence side of things, which were some of the challenges in the beginning. And because when you don't know what you don't know, you have to learn by doing.
0: That's right. You've got to figure it out. I mean, at some point you've you've got the education piece, you you've listened to podcasts, you've read the books. And at some point You've got, to, you've got to take that leap and just do it. And that's how you really learn. I mean, that first deal, you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot. And then from there on out, you're gonna get more and more educated and know what you're doing. And, and you'll be able to look at different deals and say, oh, this one's better than this. And not just because of the return metrics, but because of the team, which is usually the most yep. important piece.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. For me, especially someone who's like, I love, like one of the things I love about being able to invest in these types of assets is that you literally can live anywhere you want in the world. I personally believe, as long as you ha- or you're you like, you're super clear on what it is, the benefit that you want to gain. Afterwards, you go to the location you want to find and you w- completely agree with you, Seth, like you have to have the team that understands and has deep relationships in the location and understands what you're trying to obtain as a benefit as an investor, because then afterwards, no matter what type of an asset you purchase, whether it's a large piece of energy co- equipment, it's an ATM machine, or you're placing capital in a large multifamily deal, or a storage facility, well, as long as everything is aligned, you can live where you want and make sure that you have your checking or savings account to the, the ACH in, uh, information for the wire transfers to show up.
0: <laughs> That's right. Mailbox money, man. Mailbox money. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. I think some of our listeners still get caught up though with investing locally. And I'm sure you hear that a lot, man. It's like yeah. they still want to see and touch it and be able to, even if it's a passive investment, sometimes they still want to be able to drive by it and go look at it. I mean, what what would you tell them? And and what are some, I guess, the challenges of investing from a long distance perspective um, on the passive side?
2: Yeah, so I I guess, and Seth, you and I both, I believe we're we're aligned in this kind of thing. Like, I I try not to really convince anybody that this is the right thing, right? Because one of the biggest things I believe is there's a metric that no one really talks about, which is the ROS, and that's the return on sleep. And so if you're not able to sleep well at night, then you shouldn't be placing your money anywhere anyway. Right. Because there is nothing more valuable than the time that you spend when you can sleep, whether you sleep a lot or you sleep a little. And what I mean by that is when you are considering like to invest in these types of assets passively, like you have to really be able to under, understand what you're investing in. I know a lot of people in the corporate roles that have, you know, seven figures of salary, of seven figures of investments that are in uh, 401ks, that are in IRAs, that are in the stock market, and they dial a 1-800 number to talk to somebody who's living in a place that they've never even been, and they're managing that money for them. And I just think to myself, well, okay, well, if you're willing to have someone that you dial an 800 number to manage your life the financial part of your life, what's the difference between that and actually meeting the team, understanding who Seth is, being able to pick up the phone, talk to him, know that where he lives in San Diego, and then being able to make sure that his team is doing the right thing at a specific location. I don't try to convince anybody to do one thing or the other, but sometimes it's just a mindset, right? And, and really being able to understand how can you, how is it that you can justify one type of, of an investment versus another type of investment right so i guess that's kind of the way that i would see it if someone really doesn't want to work with a small team of people that understands and has a tangible asset that they can actually operate on a day-to-day business, day-to-day basis as a business if you don't like that and you're not going to sleep well at night, then i'm going to say your r o s is going to be negative, so keep putting your money in the stock market or wherever you think you need to dial an eight hundred number and get that person to manage all of your money and stuff like that so that's that's the first thing. The second thing, as it relates to um, just challenges with long distance investing, I think a lot of times you you may perceive that there are a lot of challenges right and and what do I mean by that so you may say well i don't know any team i don't know any people that I can actually make an investment in. Okay, well I didn't either six years ago when I got started, but the great thing is is there's a lot of technology. So just in the same way that, and Seth, this is one of the great things about your, your audience, right? Is they're here, they're watching, they're listening on a week to week basis. And so they already know this and they're helping other people to understand. Like a lot of it starts with just getting your education, getting the exposure. And then from there, just like any other type of relationship, you need to be able to start to, to build that relationship. You need to go to Seth's website and be able to find out the resources that you're looking for, download those, get educated, start finding out more, eventually pick up the phone, talk to the person. Right, Set up a Zoom call, that's what everybody's been doing for the last couple of years and a half anyway, and start to develop the relationship as you're building an educational basis. And little by little, those things that you perceive as challenges for someone who is long distance investing, you or investing remotely or out of state or however you wanna call it, I choose to call it long distance investing, then you'll realize that a lot of those barriers you can start to minimize. At the same time, even though you're taking those barriers down, Don't ever do anything where you're going to get a negative R.O.S. because that is just a losing, uh, a losing cause. But there are so many different ways that you can get educated, meet people and network that I really believe now more than ever. The world is everyone's oyster. It's just a matter of doing some of the work or doing the work.
0: Man, I agree agree 100 percent. I love that return on sleep because it's like if you can't sleep at night, man. Maybe it's not for you, or maybe you just haven't got to that comfort level yet. You need to you know, continue on your journey to get educated, to get comfortable, to, to network, to talk to people, to just learn more about the, about the types of investments you're about to get into. And, and sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it just takes a little bit yep. of time for you to get comfortable with it. Something brand new to you that you have been exposed to. It's it's new and it's you know, it's scary. Uh the more you hear about it, the more you learn, the more comfortable you'll get. And then you can invest without uh and, and without your return on sleep suffering.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I would also say Seth. It should, just to your point, like it should take time. If you're literally, you're going to get to know someone, you're going to build that relationship. You don't want to do the 1-800 thing anymore, or you want to at least say, okay, I'm doing this 1-800 thing. It works for me. And even though the person's answering who I will probably never know, and I don't know what their uh, employee number is. But if you're going to be investing two hundred, three hundred thousand $300,000 in a particular project, take the time to get to know the people that are going to be managing that portion of your goals and your dreams because it's not just the money it's what all of the things that are behind the money because the, the money is just kind of like on the front end but behind that there are lots of different things that you want to be able to do with your life with your family's life with your children's lives, with traveling or expanding your mind and so it's worth investing the time to be able to build the relationship in the right way so that you're creating something that's long-lasting, right? It's not just when you hang up the 1-800 number who's gonna be the next person, you wanna make sure that every single time that you pick up that you're speaking to one of the two or three people that are part of the team that know you, know your goals, know your dreams, and can actually tie all that back in together because you wanna make sure that the, that team is working for you every day, all day, as soon as they get up in the morning, that's what they're thinking about so that they, you can get the best ROS, right, for yourself, <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, exactly. And hopefully it's a long-term relationship. It's not just about that yeah. first deal. It's, you know, you put some time in to get to know the person, to get to know, you know, who they are and, and what they believe and that you're, you're totally aligned. And then you invest in more than one deal. I mean, one, and then that yeah. works out pretty well. You're like, okay, well, I like him, I like the deal. Let's go to the next one. It, it should be a long-term relationship. Um, so yeah. so it, it doesn't hurt to put in that extra time at the beginning to, to get to know that person.
2: Yeah, definitely agree, definitely. Yeah,
0: man. Let's switch gears a little bit. You mentioned precious metals and energy and ATMs. I'd like to hear just a, a little bit about those types of investments, man. What, what did those look like?
2: Yeah, sure, man. So the one that, I, that I've, I guess maybe a little bit of a, a story on it. So one of the things that happened for me as a, um, I am not a real estate professional. Right. At the same time, not and, and it's great. I can say this here with you. Like, I'm not going to give anybody any kind of advice. This is I'm just sharing stories. Right. This is not tax advice. Talk to your own tax professionals to get <laughs> um, to, to get your own. Uh, I always like to say like I'm
0: an attorney, but I'm not your attorney. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly.
2: Okay. So. So as a non real estate professional from the IRS standpoint, I kept getting into this problems of you know, I was really happy and I was investing and I was getting doing more passive investments and the more and more passive investments I was making, or even when I had my own active investments that were generating passive income, I was running into a challenge because I started calling, it's like my, what I call the, um, the passive income bucket problem. Like every year, like I kept getting these passive income losses that kept just like filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up, filling up. And they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I was like, well, all this money, like there's a lot of money sitting here. Like, what, what can I do with that? And they were like, well, nothing. And I was like, what do you mean nothing? <laughs> I was like, I can't do anything. And they're like, no, well, it's, passive, you know, it's passive income. So you have to, like passive income, passive losses. This is kind of the things that offset one another and all this kind of stuff. So I got the whole active and passive generated or passive and non-passive type of income. So I was looking to solve one of my problems, which is someone who is a, they, a has a W-2 job, really wants to continue to make sure that the money is moving on the treadmill and then I found out about uh, the energy sector. And when I found out about this, there was a big thing, there's a big movement around um, net zero emissions and a lot of these big energy companies are wanting to make sure that they're doing things that are very, very reputable and at the same time, they need to also um, make sure that they are generating profitable oil and gas or, or whatever the case may be. And so when I found this particular opportunity, I was able to be a part of an opportunity where we are able to generate um, income and have in each person's case is different right so I know at least in my case when you're able to have the losses against active income or non passive income so that was one of the things that was really really interesting for me it was like okay well actually, I can actually create cash flow and as a multiple six figure salary earner there's a way for me to also have non passive income deductions okay cool I need to find out about that and so then it was through that that I started finding out more and more about the energy space and have placed more of my time, no pun intended, energy and and capital in that space because it's one of the things that has been very, very helpful for me Um, and something that I will continue to do because it's just something that's very, very unique uh, in that space. Uh, Then as you mentioned, the ATM machines, uh, as the ATM machines, I was just looking for something that was generating consistent monthly income And through relationships, I was able to be exposed to ATM machines. I had no idea, no clue about what these were all about. And then when I understood the model, it's also a real estate play. And I was interested. I liked the team and invested passively with uh, with with this group. And so since then, I'm always open to new different types of opportunities, specifically for some. Well, for me specifically, I'm always interested in tax benefits as well as cash flow. Uh, because it's one of the things that I've also learned because I don't come from money at all. I, so I was, I was like, I want to make more money. I want to make more money. I want to make more money. I want to be the highest paid person on earth. And so what you start realizing is the more mo- money that you make, uh, well, the more money that they take. <laughs> so it was like, OK, well, hang on a second. How do I make more money and keep more money? And so as I start to look at things, whether I'm doing it for myself completely passively or structuring deals for uh, passive investors and things like that. I'm always thinking about the tax benefits because those are usually when you start to see like some really interesting uh, types of opportunities that, um, that, that come around. And once again, they're not for necessarily everybody, but as long as your ROS is positive, then you know, it's something that you should at least be exposed to and, and get a, get a look, get a look at. So hopefully those kind of two things, I know they're not necessarily um, real estate related, but they're passive income related and things that help uh, high wage earners solve challenges.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we try to give a, a broad a broad swath of different types of investments. I don't do the best job at it because I'm just so I I love real estate so much, so it's tough to do <laughs> for me. But I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm working on that. Um, but that that's the beautiful thing about passive investing, right? You don't yeah. have to be an expert in everything. You can see yeah. a good opportunity. And look yep. into it. Look at the returns. You know, do your due diligence. Get to know the team, and then rely on that team. Rely on those experts to do what they know best and what they're experts in. You don't have to be the expert.
2: Yeah, and I completely agree with that. And, and that, so the whole team thing is, and that's when you know, and also too, when you you are exposed to certain things. And as an, personally, just as an accredited investor, you get exposure to a lot of different things, right? Because there are, you know, people can talk about it and you can see different things like the 506 C's. I know you've talked about a lot here. And and as you have more and more exposure, it just gives you the opportunity to evaluate new types of opportunities. And if it fits in your personal investment philosophy, then great. And if it doesn't, then you move it to the side and you go on to the next thing. And, You know, but part of that is in in, in your audience, because one of the reasons that they're here, they're getting exposed to a number of different opportunities and everybody's different and everybody's situation is different, which is why they have uh, strong teams of people to help to advise them as well. So,
0: yeah, for sure. I I think you probably opened up some eyes there with the uh, the the passive losses offsetting the the active income with the energy sector. That's you can't beat the tax benefits that come along with the the energy sector because the government really pushes that.
2: Yes. It's, it's I mean, for me, it's been because I, I was not really ever, I hadn't been exposed to it. And the more and more that I see this particular place, and there's a lot of things in the energy sector that can be very speculative. And so there's a large opportunity to, to it's kind of like going to a casino. Right. Everybody talks about the when they when they win big, but they don't tell you about the other eight or nine times that they <laughs> lost. Um, but one of the ways that the that the government does is they give some really nice tax benefits. Right. And and so when you're able to combine something that's more conservative meaning there's, it's not as big on the upside, it's just consistent and you still get the similar, if not greater tax benefits than as a W2 employee, it's kind of like, wow, this is a really cool thing that at least need to understand more about, at least need to be exposed to. And then afterwards you decide whether or not, Hey, look, this makes a lot of sense for me, my situation, my family or, or not. So, yeah, but yeah, that's that one is. of the things I love. The I love the exposure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How are you able to juggle all this while you're you're working your your full time W two as an international uh, businessman here?
2: Yeah, so, <laughs> and, and I know I know I keep coming back to this ROS thing, which I, I just i just thought yeah. about this. I'm like, all right, cool, maybe. Um, so, I don't sleep a lot, Seth, <laughs> I, and I, I mean I the the very little that I do sleep, I sleep very very soundly, and so. I don't and I don't know if I get this right or, or I get it wrong. I know that there's been a lot of sacrifice. I know that there are things that I have just personally not managed the time appropriately. And as a result, like I, I'm open and honest with myself, like I know that the probably the people that have suffered the most are, are, is my family because I've been dedicated to doing other other things and, and wanting to work. And this is part of being that um being that uh, recovering perfectionist and always wanting to try and do things i used to want to please lots of people all the time and so i was trying to do everything but you start realizing there's only 24 hours in a day so at a certain point you have to start saying no to more things than you're saying yes to and so, through a lot of getting it wrong, Seth, I've now started to get to a point where I feel like I'm getting it better because things at home continue to be better. I start recognizing that the people that I'm spending time with, I'm starting to spend more quality time. The relationships that I'm now looking to to forge and strengthen, those are feeling better. And the one thing that I really want to be able to do that I'm working to get to do is even getting more time for myself, just in terms of physical fitness. Although I do start every morning out with uh, how Elrod savers. I f- still feel like I, I, there's more that I should be doing to make sure that just physically that I'm, I'm even taking better care of myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we'll end before we get to the, the freedom fourth, but I know you're going to crush this, man. Just, just an open-ended question. I mean, what's one last gold nugget for our listeners to take away?
2: Well, you know what, Seth? And I guess a lot of it is because your audience is high paid professionals and people that are really, really busy. And sometimes it can be intimidating to actually just be a little bit selfish for yourself and say, look, I've rather than focus on these KPIs at my job or these MBOs. You know, I have a, a family that I'm just starting or wanting to start or have started and have not spent the quality time. With them. And you know what? One of the best ways that I can get more control over my life and my time is making sure that I'm dedicating time to myself and to to yourself and to your family and not be so worried about the KPIs at your corporate role. I'm not saying to put them away to the side, but realize that when you focus on your life and your family and your finances, that that's going to give you the, in my opinion, the longest or the best long term return. Right and on your time and, and also on your or on your sleep uh, the whatever that uh, whatever that amount of time that you sleep but don't be afraid to be a, a bit selfish and focus on yourself and your family
0: yeah yeah absolutely man if you find a way to, to it sounds cliche but to find a little bit of balance there the the other parts of your life that you think you're putting you know second like let's say you you're trying to find some balance with your family and you're putting kind of work stuff to the side. That Your work stuff is actually going to do great because you are balanced, and you are mentally there when you're there, and you're engaged, and you're happy and confident.
2: Yeah, you know what? And I've never done this, Seth, but I, something came across one of my – well, the feeds in my um, – in one of my social medias, I can't remember. But it was one of the things that really impacted me, and, and, and I think about this now every once in a while when I feel like I'm just moving too much into – either building my own business or focusing on the day job when I want to just come back and make sure that I'm spending the quality time with family and loved ones. And it was this calendar that basically you look at it and it counts your, like how many days you have left on earth. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh my gosh, man, that just boom. Like I, cause I'd not seen it when I saw it in the feed. I was like, you know what? Wow. If you can just get to that space in mental space, it really clarified a couple of things for me, like really fast. It was like, boom. And that helped to focus and be like really focused on the things that make the most difference. Because I guess if you don't have that time, then you really focus on the things that are really, truly priority in your life.
0: Yeah. When you can figure out a way like, like that, that calendar or whatever to, to visualize that your life is short. It, it is short. We're only on this, on this rock for a few spins and it's over. So yeah. take advantage of it and spend the time that you have
2: wisely. Yeah, definitely.
0: definitely. All right, man, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy?
2: without a doubt to get up in the morning and get started with the, with the savers I mentioned that before, and it's just getting up and being able to focus on me and whether that is literally five minutes when I was traveling a lot, or I'm able to spend the first hour of the day where I can just literally focus on me feeding my mind, feeding my body, a couple of pushups, going, jogging, uh, things like that. However, i would ride savers is the best, uh, best way that I get focused there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. What's one life hack or piece of technology you use to be your most productive
2: self? Oh, man, without a doubt. One of the things that I absolutely love <laughs> is Zoom, because one of my skills is in the things that I like doing is the interactions with people. So you can do all of the different calendar organization. And that's super important to make sure that you're focused on your priorities for the day. But I love using technology to be able to communicate like we're doing right now, without yeah. a doubt.
0: Yeah, you were probably rocking Zoom before, uh, before the pandemic, right? Yeah, exactly. I've been rocking Zoom since,
2: since back in 2014, 15, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's like, hey, Zoom. I'm like, well, yeah, what else are you going to do, yeah. man?
0: <laughs> easy, easy transition for you, man. Uh, exactly. What, yeah, what's one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom for themselves?
2: Well, I would say go to, Seth, they should, if they haven't already, they should go to your website and download, um, I was on your website earlier and you've got great, um, you've got, it was the, the ways that people can get more passive investments, but actually, so I'm using, I'm using you as an example because I think people should go to your, to your website if they're not already there. But when you download the next thing, just don't just download it, but like download it and then dare to actually take the steps. Like that's the, that's where the real learning comes in. That's where the real, um, and life learning. So just download and do like, that's the key do.
0: Yeah. Take action, man. I, I think for, you know, for guys like us, you know, we're happy to jump on a quick call with anyone and just have that conversation, have that conversation about your financial goals, see, you yeah. know, what kind of investments might work for you. And then you can start, you know, that's the actionable step to take is, is get on that first call and, and go from there start establishing those relationships with people.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. And you know what, and also too, Seth, I'll just say this, cause I know you're the same way. Like when someone says that, like Seth and I are saying, hey, look, you can get on a call. like. It's literally getting on a call and the call is focused on you. So don't worry about the the, the upsells and all this other kind of stuff. Like if someone says, hey, look, I'm literally going to give you 30 minutes of my time, but it's got to be 30 minutes of my time. It can't be like two hours of my time. It's 30 minutes. And let's talk about you. Let's find out how I can help you based on the experience and the exposure that I've had so that you can continue to get unblocked or get unstuck so you can move forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we don't have anything to sell. I mean, we're, we're investing in these, in these deals and these businesses ourselves, and we'd yep. love to have you folks, the listeners, aboard. But if not, we're doing it anyway. Like- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. All right,
0: man. Last question. How has passive income made your life better?
2: Passive income has provided options, and options provide freedom. Um, you know, one of the biggest things, Seth, I go into my corporate job every day because I want to go into the corporate job. I don't have to go into the corporate job anymore. And people have asked me that and passive, thanks to passive income, well, thanks to the decisions that I made and the actions that I took that have created the passive income that we have today, it's created options and and freedom and, and part of that is you know, going into a day job or continuing to build own business, but it, without a doubt, the, the options that it's created and the freedom that it's created. Awesome. Thanks to passive income. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Billy, thank you so much for coming on the show today, brother. It's always great to talk to you, man. We've we've got to keep the conversation going, but for now, we're, we're going to let us find out more about you.
2: Yeah, sure, man. I mean, everyone can go to uh, billykeels.com. That's the best way to just kind of find out what's going on there. Um, Also, too, uh, we talked about the long distance investing. I've made a lot of mistakes. If you want to avoid some of the mistakes that I've made, you can go to billykeels.com forward slash seven mistakes to avoid is a great way to go there. You mentioned earlier, if somebody wants to get on the phone, you want to talk about things, go to bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. And just like Seth, I love being on LinkedIn and connecting with people. And please do me a favor when you reach out on LinkedIn. Just remind me that you heard Seth and I speaking here today on the Passive Income <laughs> Attorney podcast, please, um, because it'll just help us continue the conversation. So um, and with that, listen, I, one of the other things that I've mentioned um, and as you're listening and watching. Please take a second and make sure that you are leaving Seth an honest review and also a rating. Uh, He does a lot of work. He brings great guests on and he does this uh, as a passion. And um, I know it's something that he takes very seriously is being able to get those reviews to continue to uh, improve the podcast and would really, really appreciate it. Uh, Also for me, I know we just met, but uh, take a couple seconds and leave the leave the podcast an a uh, honest review and a nice rating. So and Seth, thank you very much for the opportunity, man. It's been awesome.
0: Absolutely, bro. Let's talk soon.
2: All right. Sounds great.
0: Always a blast jamming with Billy. I love that guy. Great energy. Great dude. Super knowledgeable. Go check out his podcast going long. It's a great one for sure. Major key, again, live where you love to live, even in Barcelona. Invest where the best opportunities are and diversify geographically, which is what we do in our Esquire Passive Investor Club. We vet the sponsors, we vet the markets, we vet the deals. We leverage our network and industry knowledge to find the best opportunities in the country to partner and invest with you for the long haul. If you're feeling inspired today, reach out to me. Let's jump on a call, talk about your goals, and let's start building some alternative passive income streams together. I'll drop my call scheduling link in the show notes. Until next time, kiddos, enjoy the journey.
1: Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.